0: There we go. I uh, our my ear mouthpiece is broken today, so uh, we'll have to use the pulpit mic. There we go. So bear with me and I'll try to stay close to the mic so you can hear me. Back up a little bit, back up, back up. Which way am I going here? Wrong way. There we go. Okay. Well, we decided to do Christmas in July. Uh, Some of the reasons behind it is, is uh, why do we always sing the good songs only one time a year? So let's sing it. We'll sing it today. So that's we decided to do that. Plus, it's Operation Christmas Child. Plus, uh, just nice. Sometimes just focus on the great sacrifice that Jesus has done. So we're we're going to focus on that today. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures, and then then we're going to take communion. The way we're going to take communion is very simple. You can come up to one of the three tables, four tables, and uh, take communion there. And uh, you can either take it as a family or just take it. Or, but we're just going to have you take it up in those areas there. And there should be some, some yeah. There's some waste baskets there that you can uh, throw uh, the leftovers, uh, the leftover uh, cups in there. So, okay. With that said. We're going to focus on the greatness of who Jesus is and actually the greatness of the sacrifice that Jesus gave as well. I think sometimes we we forget about just how big God is. And I think once we recognize and remember how big God is, I think it should change our thinking and change uh, how we respond to him. So, anyway, my uh, Polly and I this past week, uh, we went to North Carolina. We were in Asheville, North Carolina, at the Billy Graham uh, retreat called The Cove. Now, as older people remember who Billy Graham is, uh, I'm finding out that some of our younger ones don't quite remember him uh, because uh, he's really stopped ministering probably about 15, 20 years ago. But Billy Graham was considered the pastor of the nation. If you uh, see any major events that happened in the United States that required a memorial service, Billy Graham was the one who who performed those services. Uh, Go to uh, YouTube 9-11 Memorial Service and you see Billy Graham's the one that actually gave the message. Uh, Billy Graham was an evangelist. He went all over the world and preached to millions upon millions upon millions of people. And what's interesting about, uh, about 9-11, just a quick note there, it is estimated that 1 billion, 1 billion people watched the 9-11 memorial service. And Billy Graham preached and gave the gospel message during that service. So just kind of a little side note when it comes to that. So Polly and I were down there. Some of you saw the... Uh, the pictures that we posted, one of them was of a 400-year-old pulpit that was older than uh, the Mayflower. Uh, that actually came from the Church of England. Uh, Ruth Graham was uh, in England, saw it, and she bought it and brought it over to the United States. Uh, we also uh, had a picture of the of the church or the chapel that was there. Uh, what we did, not, what I did not do a good job at, was uh, showing what they did in the chapel. It was a chapel that had a lot of windows and I'm talking about big windows because uh, Ruth Graham Billy's wife wanted uh, us to see natural lighting and also see nature and it was just it was just beautiful and I you know I came to the conclusion if we ever decide to go further in the building and we build a, a sanctuary that's what I would want a lot of windows to let natural lighting and then plant trees all around it, so you can see the beauty of nature. Um, you know, just just show that how beautiful uh, nature can be in God's creation. You know, I, uh, I I love nature. I love traveling. I love seeing things that I never saw before. I love going to areas that humanity has hardly touched, and and seeing God's great creation. Uh, that's one reason why if you ask me, you know, where would you like to live your whole life, I say, I always go to Oregon. And the reason for that is the Oregon coast has been uh, off limits to any development. Uh, you're not allowed to build big things there because the beaches are owned by, uh, owned by the people of Oregon. And so you go there and it's hardly touched. You, you see the big trees and the cliffs and all this stuff, but you don't see like you see in Florida. You don't you don't see all the high rises and sky, skyscrapers that are there against the ocean. Um, you go a little bit further inland, and you start seeing the waterfalls and and, and you know the big uh, pine trees and, and all of that. And uh, you know one thing I remember is I went to church. In, in Oregon and, and we went actually went to a United Brethren Church. There's only one United Brethren Church in Oregon. Polly and I decided to go there. And we went into this valley and while we were going around you saw all the beautiful trees, all the beautiful pines, and then you saw where they logged. And you understand why there's a lot of environmentalists in Oregon. Even though we need the the, the wood, you understand it. Because when you when you turn those corners and you see the strip logging that's there. And even though they put trees, they put trees back, it's never as beautiful as when man has not touched it. Now I, I think of that when when you think of all that God has created. And there's so much more there than what we can even begin to understand. Billions upon billions of stars and billions upon billions of galaxies that are out there that God created. It, it blows your mind, because we're so finite in our thinking. Many times we just think of the here and now. We think of birth and death and morning and night, like Sunday and Saturday. and we, you know, we, we think of all those things, and yet we, we, we serve a God that's infinite. Infinite in His knowledge, infinite in His power, infinite in His existence. He has always been here and always will be here. And I know it, it's hard to understand that. It really is, because we're so finite in our thinking. You know, I think of our sun. And our, our sun is 864,000 miles if you go around it. The, the the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. And it says if you were to get into Starship Enterprise, and you were to go around that, our sun, it would take 14.6 seconds to go around that sun Traveling at the speed of light, and you make it sound, and then you go, Well, that's not too long. Uh-uh, understand this. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. That means, if you calculate it out, that 60 seconds times 60 seconds, it'll, it'll go down to 669 million miles per hour. Now I'm pretty sure Indianapolis cannot come up with something that quick, but it would take it would take 14.5 seconds to go around that, going 600, just say 670 million miles an hour. We we, we look at our uh, our Earth as it compares to our sun and. And let's just say that it says that the sun is 109 times bigger than our earth. Let me put that in perspective. So let's say that this little dot here is our earth. All right. One inch dot. You all see the dot? Give you an idea how big our sun is. It it, it would stretch all the way to Teresa's house across the street. And I I know I I kind of brought that down and said, well, that's not too big. No, 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 the earth is one inch wide. There's a... It would take 1.3 million earths to go into the sun. Now, th- there's another star out there that's actually bigger than our sun. And its name is U.I. Scuti. I don't know why they came up with that name, but that's the name of it. It is estimated that 5 billion of our suns would go inside that star. So if you take that sun and you put it in the center of our solar system and where our sun is at it would reach all the way to Saturn that's how large it is now let's just say and let's go a little further here give you an idea how large this sun actually is this is our earth the center of the universe Salina. <laughs> Alright? This not our son. This is the earth. How big would Y-U or U-Y-Scooty be if the earth was one inch? Well, I, I looked it up and it says it's going to be 440 miles wide. And you say, well, that's not too big. Well, let me put it in perspective here. Here we go. Here is Salina. Right? This is Mount Tabor right here. Where those red dots are, are where that circle of UY Scuti would be. So the earth is one inch right here. You would have to travel to Huntington, West Virginia to get to the edge of UY Scuti. Or just north of Chicago for UY Scuti. And you say, well that's pretty big. No, I only gave it to you if it was flat. You have to understand that we're now going 220 miles into the space. And we're also going 220 miles into the earth. That is one huge star that 5 billion of our suns would fit in there And it's estimated that 489 trillion Earths would fit inside of that star. It is massive. And what's neat about that are these very verses. Let me get to it. Colossians chapter 1. It says, for in Him, who's Him? Who's Paul talking about? He's talking about Jesus. In Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. So everything was created by who? By Jesus. You see, you need to understand this that Jesus is part of the Trinity, which is part of the Godhead, so therefore Jesus is divine as well. So Jesus was involved in the creation of everything that we know and everything that we see. It blows your mind when you think about that. That Jesus was involved in that creation. It says in John 3, John chapter 1, verse 3, Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So if you look around here, everything that was created was created by Jesus. And the Bible even comes out and says that you, uh, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God's the one that put the blueprints of who you are in the womb of your mother. So he, in a sense, created you as well. Comes on further. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So, once again, it's really pointing at who Jesus is. He is part of the Godhead. He is part of the Trinity. He is the creator of the world. He created U.I. Scuti. He created the Milky Way. He created the galaxies and the solar system. He created the universe. He created the earth. He created things that we don't even know. And we can't even comprehend. Some people say, is there life on other places, in other areas? Well, the answer is definitely yes. How do we know that? Read the book of Revelation. It's right there. Are there not angels? Is that not life? And He created that. It boggles your mind when you think about this. And then we get to one of my... Uh, we're starting to get into some of my favorite psalms here. It says, Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies declare the, the works of His hands. So when you go out at night and you see creation, and you look into the sky, it, it is, it's proclaiming the greatness of who God is. I, I really feel that's one reason why country folk seem to be more religious than, than city folk. And, and I don't consider Salina a city. <laughs> okay, it, it might be called a city, but it really is. I mean, because you, you look at, I mean, you look at New York, Detroit, and all those other places. Those are cities. Salina is a little town compared to them. But I remember the first night that Polly and I moved into our new house when we came to Salina. And I walked her outside and she goes, I said, Polly, come here, come here. She goes, what? I said, listen. She goes, I don't hear anything. I said, right. Because where we were in, in Finley, was next to a railroad track, next to the EMS, uh, North, Main North, South, where the EMS was Close to I-75, all we heard all the time was screeching, cars and everything else. And I get to the and I'm going, mm-hmm, how quiet it is. And then I said, look up. And she looked up I said, you see? Look at the stars. The heavens declare the glory of God. And Psalm 8 says... Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the world! You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established stronghold against your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. So he's saying, look into the heavens. heaven proclaim the glory of God and the praise of children you know that's one thing I love about Mount Tabor. you got a lot of kids here and I love the innocence of kids and they're, they're so fun uh, we had a uh, one of our little ones in the first service she she was 18 months two years old maybe um, and, and she 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 helped pick up the the, the, the The joyful noise offering. She had her own little bucket. She's walking around, you know, and she's just having fun, and Polly puts something in, she squeals, and then she goes over to somebody else, they put something in, and she's just having fun. She comes up to me and I go, sorry, I gave it the office. But she was so innocent. See, children proclaim God's glory. They really do. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for? When you think about how big YU Scooty is and how small we are, and then the psalmist is actually asking the question well, who's, well, who's humanity? Well, who are they? In your relationships with one another. Oh, I'm sorry. One more further. Back up. Who is humanity? The most astonishing thing about Jesus is this. To me, that's the most astonishing thing. The one who created Y.U. Scooty, the one that created the heavens and the earth, the one that created things that we can't even understand the one that allowed us into existence even though we didn't deserve it he allowed us into existence loved us so much that he came to humanity as a form of a baby and was born in a barn and placed in a feed trough because he loves you I find it interesting that the God of the universe that created us became subject to us. The God of the universe was the God in diapers. Became dependent upon a woman for nourishment. And I don't mean that nasty-wise, but when you think about it, God is dependent upon a human being. Grew up in a neighborhood and You had the neighborhood bullies back then. It wasn't Nirvana. He he was hired by a foreman to to earn a living for a number of years. And I'm sure that foreman probably treated him not the best. He started ministry at the age of 30 to share the reality of who God is and the truth about, about his love and his kingdom. He was scorned by those who were really in the position or an occupation to represent and to serve him. He fell on his knees and he washed the feet of the disciples. You know, the feet that had sandals, that was walking on dirt paths uh, for the whole day, and you know, walked on animal dung and everything else, and there he is. And he says, Let me show you who I am, and let me show you what I want you to do. I'm going to serve you, I'm going to take the lowest position so that you will do the same. He was willing to be tied to a, a post and beaten by those he created. You know, there's one thing that gets the pastor going quicker than anything. And that's when a a little kid starts ordering mommy and daddy around. I like what Bill Cosby said. He says, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. And I think about that in relationship to God. God brought us into existence and yet we have the goal to go to Him and tell Him what to do. And, and, and yet he allowed himself to be beaten. And eventually to be tied to the cross. And to be stripped naked. And to be whipped. And to be crucified. And have God the Father turn his back. And Jesus cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The one who created you, wise, scooty, is hanging on the cross. The night before that happened, Jesus met with his disciples. And he says, I want you to understand that which I'm about to go through. And I want you to understand that which I want you to do. It was Passover. It was the celebration of the freedom that the Jews had from the Romans. From the Egyptians. And he took a piece of bread... And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. He was sharing that he came for a purpose. He took all the sin, all the iniquity, all the rebellion, all the disease, all the grief and all the shame. And he placed it on himself. When he was hanging on the cross, that's where we deserve to go. Yet he took that for us. Then he took the wine and he passed it around and said, this is my blood which is shed for you. A new agreement between God and you. An agreement that says, my blood forgives your sin and sets you apart for holiness. And He said we were to continue to do this until He returns. Communion is a constant reminder of how big God is. It is also a constant reminder of how immense the sacrifice is. It is a constant reminder of Jesus on the cross. But the Bible also says that we were to do this to proclaim His death until He returns. So communion is also an opportunity to remember that Jesus is coming back. So we take communion to constantly remind ourselves of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he will do. The Bible also says that when we take communion, there's a couple things that we should do. Number one, we need to make sure that there's no division in the church. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter um, 11 says. It also says we are to examine ourselves to see if there is sin. And then we are to deal with that sin, asking for forgiveness. And there also, like I said, there should also be unity. Maybe there's someone who needs to just go to somebody and ask for forgiveness. We are to come to his table. Not lightly. But reverently. Remembering that the one who created UY Scooty Is the one who died on the cross. Let's pray. Father as we prepare to take communion. Help us to examine ourselves. And if there is sin there. That Lord may we, may we just confess it to you. Maybe, Lord, there needs to be, more, Lord, maybe there just needs to be a confession of, of unity as well. Help us, Lord. And let us hold fast to you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. we want to invite you to go to one of the tables and take communion as a family or as an individual. Just feel free to go up there, take the elements, pray, take them and then like I said, we have some waste baskets up there as well. We have uh, we have uh, three so going to be over here, three tables to take communion at. One we here, four. we have four. Four one back there at the four corners. Feel free to come up and take communion. As well. Remember the great sacrifice that this great God gave for you. What is mankind that you're mindful of? Let us pray. And then the praise team's going to come up and close us. And then I have a few <laughs> announcements. Not announcements. Uh, something to share with you uh, following, um, uh, following the, the final song up here. So just bear with me. It's just an explanation of something that happened this past week that I think maybe you'd want to know about. So let's pray. Father, uh, may we uh, continue to look at communion and uh, as a representation of the greatness of who you are. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him coming and dying on the cross for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.